the Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on, not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the Shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a... a, a I'm gonna see like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No, I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Dan DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sewing Hope. I'm Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining me on Patchwork Heart Radio, Patchwork Heart Ministry. It's great to be uh, with you. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in, no matter how you're doing so. Remember that you can always head over to our website patchworkheartradio.org uh, to learn more about our ministry and uh, listen to all the different programs we have over there. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my good friend Anne DeSantis, and we are doing a uh, series on parenting. I believe this is episode number uh, seven, Anne. I can't believe we're up to that, uh, you know, right now. We're going to be talking about pre-teen, or that, that pre-teen, teen, uh, entering into uh, teenhood uh, today. So, Anne, welcome. It's great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you too, Bill. And I've been loving this parenting series. And that's right, we're doing today ages 13 to 15. So it's that beginning of those teen years. And, you know, it's a parenting series, but the spin is really on the faith, right? So we're getting into talking about how to keep your kids close to the faith, you know, with God's help, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so as I always say, during the beginning of the other podcasts is, um, if you haven't listened to the other episodes, be sure to check them out and listen to them too by going to the so, you know, Patchwork Heart Ministry, either on YouTube or patchworkheartradio.org. And we even have a little um, playlist there that, that says the Sewing Hope Parenting Series. You can listen to all the other ones. So again, thank you, Bill. 
Yeah, it's great. So yeah, let's dive in. It's I I don't have uh, I don't have a teenager yet, but uh, but you've been through it. So uh, talk to us a little yeah. bit about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're not coming to all of you as absolute experts, right? Mm-hmm. But we are coming as people of faith and people who have experience with uh, these age groups. And even though Bill's little boy is uh, still pretty much a, a baby slash toddler coming soon. Uh, he has worked with youth, you know, as a youth minister, working with young people. So that that's really where his experience comes. And mine, having two grown uh, daughters that went through, of course, the teen years. And how did I keep them close to their faith? Well, it was really God's work, not mine. But I would say that the groundwork, the groundwork is always laid when they're little kids. And so if, if you're listening to this podcast and you have children in that age group and you're concerned for their faith, uh, I'd say one of the best things that you can do is that, um, well, first of all, if your kids are not following their faith and they're in those preteen years is demonstrating it through your own faith. That's always number one for everything is that if you have faith and I mean, real faith, I don't mean checkbox, you know, you go to mass every Sunday you know, you give to this organization and you say all your prayers every night, whatever it is, the, the, some, some of those checkboxes are very good, by the way, right? Yeah. They're not, they're good checkboxes. But I think uh, when we really do love God with all of our hearts, you know, they say that what are those two marks of someone who's really following Christ is that loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and loving others as much as you love yourself. And when, when your kids see you do those two things, I think then that's the beginning of good things that are going to be happening between you and your children and between your children and God, Bill, I don't know if you agree on that one, but you probably do. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, absolutely living the, the greatest commandment is the, is the way to go, right? Uh, the more that you live the greatest commandment in your life, then uh, it is easier for others to see christ in you uh that's for certain and and especially your kids and it's great for your kids to be able to see um that and recognize that inside of you i think one of the things that i think about when i think about teenagers is the fact that you know and you were a teenager i was a teenager um and i think there's a certain level especially in today's world of um of putting a lot of pressure on teens to um you know, accomplish certain things, you know, so many um, people want their uh, kids to uh, be in the honor society, go to college, do all these things. And, you know, when you're talking about that transition from uh, middle school to high school, uh, that eighth to ninth grade, you know, uh, I mean, I remember my dad always used to call it money time. You know, this is this are the important years. Um, of your education so that you can go off into college and uh, all those different things. Well, um, there's a lot of pressure and there's also a level of pushback, right? Like, you know, teens are discovering themselves. They're discovering their passions. Uh, Personally, I remember um, really discovering my passion and here I'm doing it right now. But um, I remember when I was a um, freshman or sophomore in high school, discovering that my school had a TV studio and that I was able to go and, uh, you know, do morning announcements and take television classes. 
um, and do uh, the, the morning news for our school. And it's where I discovered that I really wanted to go into communications. It's discard, you know, which, I, which is what I did. Um, and it's also at the time in my life when I uh, grew closer in my faith through my youth group. And here I am with, you know, two degrees, one in theology, one in communications. Um, so, you know, in, in some respect, my dad was right. Like, this is the time to find your passion. It's time to look at life. And there's a certain pushback that you're giving to your, you know, parents and to other adults, because you're trying to find your own way a little bit and, and discover those passions. Uh, and that's, and that's a good thing. Um, you know, there's, is not bad. And, you know, we can get into um, some of the, you know, rebellious behaviors at this time. You know, a lot of uh, young people at this age do fall into destructive habits, uh, you know, like drugs or alcohol or uh, pornography or what all those different things that you can uh, fall into in high school. Uh, you know, but at the same time, um, it, it can be a wonderful time if we step into our faith a little bit more if we find a good youth group um a big shout out to saint norbert's and paoli uh a big mm -hmm, shout out right. to them uh that was my youth group in uh, in high school and so you know uh mark griswold uh dan tarrant and um gosh mark peters uh did an amazing job um you know forming uh young people in the faith and helping them grow but um you have to realize and recognize and understand that during these years, there's going to be some uh, turmoil and not everything's going to be perfect. Um, you know, as a parent, you're going to be like, wow, what are they doing? Where are they going? Um, you know, late night stuff happening. But um, God is God is good uh, if we as parents just remind them that, hey, this is your time to discover your passions and to discover and deepen your faith. I think that's one of the biggest things I always try to do as a youth minister too, is help people discover their passions and discover their faith and, and help them own it. I, I love everything that you just said, because you, you covered a couple different aspects. And one of the aspects is that sort of that temptation, the sin that can come into preteens and teens lives when they're faced with hard decisions, when they're at school and around certain people that, you know, may be tempting them in certain ways, as you said, alcohol, drugs, pornography, whatever those things are. And so they're faced with really tough challenges. And, um, and but at the same time, you also talked about recognizing those talents and how this is the time to really develop those talents and to develop, you know, what, what is your mission? You know, what is, how can you use those talents in order to make this world a better place? Like Bill, you mentioned your communications and theology. It was really beautiful that you were able to figure that out at a pretty young age. You know, you got involved at St. Norbert's Youth Group, which I, I'm from this area here in Philadelphia. So, of course, I know uh, Mark Griswold and I even know Dan Tarrant, you know, not that I knew him way back then, but I, I know that he's involved in some really good Catholic ministry here now. Yeah. And so beautiful stuff. But uh, the other thing I want to mention is that um, another aspect of what you talked about, that parents sometimes get into that comparison game mm -hmm. about where their kids are going to go to college and 
you know, uh, which friends they hang out and is their daughter the prettiest in the group or is their son the best football player? You know, whatever it is, you know, whatever our interests are as parents, sometimes we want our kids to do the same. And it's a natural thing, you know, say you were a football player or something like that. You want your son to do the same thing. But um, I think it's good to recognize that our kids are not us, right? And so they need to develop their own who they are. And many times, you know, they might follow suit with some of the interests that we as parents have. But I do think we have to leave those doors open to let them explore. It's, it's so important to explore. Now, of course, some of these topics are not specifically faith-related, but they kind of inter intercede, don't they? Some of the, um, you know, just general parenting things. But I did was able to pull up an article online from catholiceducation.org, and the article is entitled The Catechesis of Teens, and it says they need to learn to pray. And I think that is a very important thing that as teenagers to help them to develop that prayer life, because that is the communication with God, isn't it? It's, it goes both ways. We need to learn how to listen to God and we need to know and learn how to talk to him too. So I didn't know Bill, if you had any uh, words of advice on that, because you've worked so much with young people. Yeah. You know, um, helping teens pray is really important. And, you know, at, at this point, um, especially in this cultural environment that we find ourselves in, right? Like it's one of the most difficult um, you know, things to help teens do, I think, is develop a relationship with God because everything is in our in our culture all about a feeling, right? That's that's the way our culture is driven. If I feel this way, if I have this feeling, then it must be something I should act on. And um, God doesn't always work that way uh, in people's lives. And so introducing a teen to God is very important that it's a, an experiential process, um, that they have an opportunity to experience God. What I mean by that is giving them the signs and symbols that are our sacraments, right? Like, the definition of a sacrament is a visible sign of an intangible reality, right? Like that's what we believe as Catholics. So being able to help them understand that this is a tangible experience that expresses a intangible reality, right? Um, those, those things for me, uh, when I try to talk with young people and, and teenagers would be, the sacraments of reconciliation and the Eucharist, right? Whether it's Eucharistic adoration, whether it is uh, mass, whether it is, um, you know, receiving the sacrament of reconciliation, these are tangible things. They are, they are, um, you know, they, they rely on the senses, right? We hear the words, you are forgiven, Right we can taste the bread of angels, right? And when children come to understand, when teenagers come to understand that this is a relationship with a living person and that it's not just the priest sitting in the confessional or it's not just a piece of bread 
on the altar, when you're able to introduce them to that relationship, then they can have the relationship with God, then they can pray. And it's not about um, giving them another book of litanies. Like the, that's great. And if they're into it, wonderful. But, but the reality is that it has to come from the heart and that experience of worship. Um, when you're able to give them powerful worship experiences um, and introduce them to the person of Jesus Christ um, and who he is, that is how I believe you're going to get um, your young person to, to pray. Now, yeah, listen, there's a lot of pushback, right? I don't want to go to mass. It's at a bad time. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You know, as parents, we hear a lot of that, right? Um, you know, and then, and then you rely on the youth minister. Oh, well, they, you know, they better make it fun. Well, you know, it's actually not so much as fun as they better make it something that is in, spiritually engaging so that and, and real because pe young people in today's world are hunting for authenticity. They see through all the fake stuff in Hollywood. They see through all the fake stuff on TV real fast. So you got to hunt for that authenticity. Um, and show them that Jesus is an authentic person and that the sacraments are real and that they are tangible signs of an intangible reality. Hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up because I think a good topic for this podcast for ages 13 to 15, which is a real temptation for the 13 to 15 year old to fall away from their faith and decide, make a decision that they don't want to practice Catholicism anymore. Okay. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And, and there are very tough reasons, difficult and sad reasons why. But I think you made a good point, the authenticity. And I think when kids also see that their parents are authentic about it too, like I said at the beginning, that they know that it isn't just a checkbox thing, right? It's not just something I do because grandmom says I should go to mass every week or whatever, if I say grandmom, because a lot of times the older people are the ones who are really uh, very devoted to their faith yeah. a lot of many times, but it's not just because grandmom wants to see you get your confirmation or whatever. It's because this is something that's the truth. It's real. And it will carry you through your entire life, not just your teen years. It's going to carry you through your entire lifespan, something that you want to treasure I think that kids need to see that it's something to treasure. Uh, the other thing I think, Bill, is, is I think is very important when we look at those two aspects of loving God with all our heart, soul, and mind, that includes that sacramental life and loving others, right? Just as much as we love ourselves. And the way that we do that is, I think, by loving and caring for those who are in need, yes, in need, but also the way that we just treat everybody that we meet. Right. And when young people see through that real fast, too, when they see at the dinner table that, that the conversation gets directed in a negative way about some kind of gossip about somebody or a family or a family member or a neighbor. And then they say, wow, these people are a bunch of hypocrites. This isn't very good, is it? Exactly. That we say one thing, right, where we act religious on the outside, but on the inside, we are vicious people who don't care really about others and, and have our own little clique of friends that that's all we care about our own people, the people in our own group, but we don't care about people outside of that group. That's yeah. not what God wants. And, 
And also when we teach kids about what it means to be Catholic, it's that word universal, isn't it? And the universal means that we love people that are outside of our own religion too. We love people that are not Catholic. We love people that are not religious. We love people that celebrate other faiths. We love people who couldn't care less about religion, right? Because we're modeling Christ that we have all kinds of friends, don't we? Mm -hmm. We don't just have friends in our own little church group or our own family. And I think we need, when kids see that, they say, oh my gosh, these people are authentic. They don't just wish to be friends with people to make them like us. I believe that too, Bill. Yeah, Uh, We're not on a hunt to try to make people become just like us. Because even in the Catholic Church, there's all kinds of ways that people celebrate the faith, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, again, that word authenticity that we bring up is so very important. And so uh, I think one other aspect that maybe we want to touch on is just the service aspect. And you kind of alluded to it and that, you know, serving others is so important. And so getting your kids to understand and serve alongside them. I'm not talking about school, you know, sending them on some mission trip. You can do that. And that's wonderful. And I've done a few mission trips myself and they are life-changing and beautiful, but it's not just about sending your kid on a mission trip. How about you serve alongside of them? And yeah, you can go on a mission trip with them, but what's more powerful is saying, Hey, you know what? Let's go over to the soup kitchen tonight and serve. Let's go over to the St. Ben's meal program and serve. Let's go over here and, and do this. You know, um, I know I've brought it up many times before, but, you know, my family would do the Christmas angels every year um, and where we would go, you know, play ding dong ditch. Um, we would all get in the car, my mom, dad, brother, sister, uh, my, you know, and we'd all go over and we'd, um, you know, find the need, the need, the needy parishioners and we would drop off gifts to them on their doorstep through the 12 days before Christmas. We were one of those families that did it. And there were 12 different families and uh, in our parish, but you know, like it doesn't have to be some big program. And by the end of the night, we're all singing Christmas carols and we're feeling so good that we gave something back, right. Um, to, to others that like, you know, serve alongside your kids. Doesn't have to be some big mission trip. And, you know, my family, my mom and dad still uh, to this day, do it. They collect all the change in the house and they, uh, while don't, while aren't part some of part of some formal program, but if we're over there for Christmas or near Christmas, we take all the change in the house, we put it in a huge jar, and we drive into the uh, needy part of the city and hand it off to somebody in a shopping center that looks like, you know, there's probably, you know, 300 or $400 of change in this, you know, in this bucket from the year, just hand it to them, you know, and, and we say Merry Christmas and we, you know, God bless you. And it, and you're right. And it doesn't matter. Like we're not, we're not pulling, pulling out the card going, oh, are they approved Catholics? Like, you know, they, they it could be anybody, right? So mm-hmm. just serve alongside your kids and put, and set that example. And you're so right. Mm, mm, no, thank you, Bill. That's, that's great. And I'm personally excited for you as you see Elvin grow, because I know that you'll do those kinds of things with him, oh, yeah. <laughs> with your son. It's great. <laughs> yeah. um, but the one other thing before we end that I did want to mention too, um, and it does have to do with parenting and decisions too, is that I do think that sometimes the, best intentioned parents make bad decisions or allow kids to do things that really they shouldn't allow them to do. And, and when they're teenagers, you know, and there is such a thing as saying the word, no, 
I really think, honestly, in the teen years, it's probably one of the best words that a teen can hear when all their friends are allowed to do this one thing. And you're the one that says, you know what? No, I don't think it's a good idea. Hmm. Sorry. Right. And don't feel bad. Don't feel bad because you are, you know, you have a responsibility to protect your kids. And there are parents that allow their kids to do things that are really, frankly, not good for them, you know, Mm. whether it be staying out really super late and letting them go to somebody's house where the parents aren't there and they're under the underage, right? Allowing them and saying, you know, okay, go over. The parents aren't home. They're going to have a party. Yeah, go ahead. You'll have a good time. No big deal. Unfortunately, we never know when bad things can happen, right? There, there are things that can happen when we let our kids do, I would, I would call it letting them do what they want. I do think parenting does involve just that, parenting. It involves health. If your kids aren't 18, you know, they're not adults yet. And I remember hearing one time somebody say to me that they were so glad that their kid was 14 because now they could start to make their own decisions. And it was in a context of having to do what I just discussed. And I, in my opinion, you don't, they don't just go from you making all the decisions to them making all the decisions. They need to be guided. And I think when it comes to faith, it's the same thing, Bill. I, I think you know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely. It's great. It's great insight, Anne. Thank you. Yeah. So this has been great. And now next podcast, we're going to talk about ages 16 to 18. So those later high school years. And I think we're going to have a really good conversation because there is certainly a lot to unpack during, you know, during those years. Yeah. College prep. Here we come, right? (laughs) uh, Folks, uh, we thank you for tuning in uh, and listening today here on the Patchwork Art Radio uh, Ministry Network. And uh, we thank you so much for uh, listening to the series. Feel free to reach out to us. uh, Sewinghope at patchworkheart.org is our email. You can uh, email us and we'll, um, you know, get back to you and all that good stuff. Um, Let us know what you think of the show. But until next time, may God bless you, your families, and keep beating to your Catholic heart. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos 2. The Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on, not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this it, made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like humanly, I don't think like that is another level of love.
it's not a, 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 an uncivil, like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No, I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support.